you're listening to Everyday Creative People. I'm your host, Dina Adrians, and this podcast is for the doers, dreamers, and makers of the world. For anyone who wishes they had more time and freedom to play, who struggles with creative blocks, or who's trying to figure out how to make a living while making art, I'm here to stumble through the madness by your side. Once you finish listening to today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast. Leave a comment and tell a friend. It will really help me out. You can also join the community over in the Creative Playground Facebook group after the show and find all the show notes at dinaadriance.com slash ecppodcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Creative People. I'm here with my guest, Hillary Sutton. Um, and Hillary is a writer, speaker, consultant, coach, and sometimes actor. Um, so she and I live in a very similar world of yes. like acting theater stuff and coaching and careers and all that good stuff. Um, Hillary uh, started a blog about five years ago exploring social media, creativity, personal development, and writing, which sort of led into, I think, um, HSL Enterprises, and she's been doing a bunch of courses and eBooks and uh, all kinds of good stuff. And that is a little bit of the brief overview of Hillary. Welcome, Hillary, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Dina, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, Hillary, first off, tell me, is there anything... Uh, like really important or just that you want us to know that you feel like was missing from that intro? Oh gosh, I think you did a great job. Um, I'm, I'm just a person who's passionate about um, telling stories that are begging to be told mm-hmm. and helping people live lives every day that are, fu- are fulfilling to them in their work, especially. So that's kind of my heartbeat. Yeah. So, okay. But you, uh, if I am correct in this, you sort of started off in the theater world, much like myself. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. I really what's, did. What's your earliest memory of engaging with theater or the arts in general? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, when you're in like preschool and early elementary school, every kid is sort of thrust on a stage in like a farmer costume or whatever. Like we all, it, it was just like a rite of passage, part of childhood. But for me, it was something that really lit me up. I don't, you know, I've, I've seen interviews where people are like, you know, what was the performance that you watched that made you know, like, this is what you wanted to do. And for me, I never really had that. I, I didn't see some great performance that inspired me to pursue the stage. It was really like always being on stage, you know, yeah. whether it was like choir or something at church when I was very little um, or a play in kindergarten. Um, I. I was always sort of, I always sort of found myself on stage and always really, really enjoyed it and sort of never kicked the habit. Mm. So that's kind of my story. (laughs) What is it about theater that entices you? Mm, That's such a good question. I think for me, it is the immediacy of it and um, just the fact that you're in a room with people having this special sort of intimate moment that can't be, it isn't ever going to be recreated or can't be revisited. You know, it's not like you can just Netflix it later or, <laughs> you know, have it on DVD or whatever. Um, there's something to me that's so 
powerful about the theater because it really is a shared mm -hmm. uh, human experience for like a moment in time and then it's gone. Yeah. Okay. So you were doing theater from a very young age, which I think is true for a lot of people, um, that you just kind of start doing it when you're young, mm -hmm. um, set by there by your parents or by your own accord. Um, at what point was it that you were like, maybe this is a career path for me? Man, it was late. So in high school, I was sort of trying to determine what I might major in in college. And it truly, it never occurred to me to major in theater. I didn't grow really? up in, yeah, I didn't grow up in a culture where I knew professional stage artists. Hmm. Um, I knew Broadway was a thing, but it was a good like 16 hour drive from my house or more. Um, so it was very, very removed. And I never really thought that it was something that regular people did. And mm. so it really wasn't until I was, I would say like a junior in college and huh. I found myself with an opportunity to work professionally over the summer in a theater in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I'll go for the summer try it out. If I like it, maybe it's something that would be worth pursuing. Hmm. Um, and I had a great summer. Um, and I thought you know, it was just something that I never really knew. I couldn't really picture performing driving with like a, a regular sort of adult life, I guess. <laughs> um, and so it wasn't a, a familiar sort of life to you. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know any, um, any full-time artists, any full-time hmm. performers, anything like that. I, I grew up in Nashville where, you know, there's a, there's a singer on every corner, but theater was something that was um, su maybe surprisingly um, not, not hmm. a really big part of that culture. And so it was sort of my senior year. Um, I went to the Southeastern Theater Conference um, where, you know, college students and grad schools and theater artists from all over gather and they do these big cattle call auditions. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'll just audition for these, you know, couple hundred theaters. If I get something great, if I don't, great. And I got an offer to um, be an intern, uh, performing, performing intern at Mill Mountain Theater in Roanoke, Virginia the following year. And um, it was just the first open door that happened when I was finishing up school. And so I just walked through it. So that's sort of how it all started. And I initially kind of expected, you know, maybe I'll do this professional performing thing for a couple of years and then I'll settle into some sort of other creative job that's, you know, a little bit more stable or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, you know, doors just continue to open over the years. And, and mind you, I mean, plenty didn't open, you know what I mean? Like there was yeah, many I'm more sure. auditions <laughs> that I, gigs that I didn't get, but um, you know, with, with every opportunity that came my way, I just tried to say yes. Hmm. Hmm. So, okay, wait, so did you, uh, cause you said you didn't really decide to do acting as a thing until your junior year of college. Mm -hmm. So, um, did you actually major in theater at all? Or was it just something that you were doing as, as like your extracurricular while you were majoring in other things? Yeah, it was just kind of a fun side thing. I mean, I've always been a person who liked a lot of different things, mm -hmm. um, when I was going to college. Initially, I was um, a music and journalism double major, hence like the writing side of, of my work even now. Um, and then uh, it turns out that music theory 
is uh, <laughs> the worst. And so um, I ended up turning that into a minor. And um, there were just opportunities to audition for some shows. At the time, my college didn't even have a major. They had just started a minor. Um, they got a major by the time I was graduating, I believe. But uh, it really wasn't, it, it was it was a thing that a lot of my friends sort of did for fun and a few people were, were taking it seriously. And then I kind of got in the mix with those people and um, I was sort of, you know, just kind of encouraged to, um, to, to pursue auditions and pursue some opportunities and sort of like one thing led to another. Um, so yeah, I did not major in theater and if I could do it all again, um, I probably would. I probably would have double majored in, in theater and maybe writing or marketing. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, kind of a surprising thing that it's been such a mainstay in my life, but I really didn't get, um, the training that a lot of people do. And that's, and that is a really important component. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's so interesting cause I think, uh, there are many different paths to the stage and, mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people who pursue the training and there are really great things about that but there's also a lot of people that come at it more from the direction that you did where it's sort of something that they stumbled into uh and found that they had some talent and they were able to sort of learn as they went along yeah sometimes you choose theater and sometimes theater chooses you and it, it really is true i think some of the best lessons that I learned in and um, how to perform and, and what was compelling was simply like living in New York for a while and seeing a ton of Broadway shows and seeing incredible performances and doing professional theater alongside people with more experience than me and just sort of watching and taking it all in. And I think, I think I've even heard like uh, Jonathan Groff and like Leah Michelle talk about how, you know, they didn't get BFAs but they had a real like on the ground education, just like yeah. on the ground, like doing it um, and learning that way. Yeah, I mean, I think theater is, uh, it's a craft and it's something that you learn primarily through doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are, you know, things that you can study around it, but uh, whether you have a formal or an informal education, uh, the education comes through, through the, the doing of it. Totally, agreed. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you started off, uh, you sort of came out of undergrad with this opportunity to um, sort of intern in performing, um, which led to many other things. And so it sounds like when you were first out of college, you were doing a fair amount of performing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. For about the first four years that I was out of school, I was mainly performing and then between gigs, I did a little bit of freelance writing and I was also working retail, which was um, a little soul crushing after <laughs> about two, I was doing it for, I think it was two, two and a half years on and off. Um, but yeah, performing was definitely the primary focus, but then um, I had to do other things, you know, to pay the bills as we all do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you, so you spent about four years doing the performing thing as your primary thing mm -hmm. um, and making the ends meet in other sort of various ways. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you go from there 
to where you are now, sort of running your business, doing writing and coaching and e-courses and um, all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's so interesting to, to look back and see how it was sort of like a little bit of a domino effect, like one thing led to another. Um, but initially it was, um, just dissatisfaction with being able to really provide for myself. Um, I was definitely (laughs) in that like actor poverty situation um, Uh where even though I felt like I was working a lot of hours, I really wasn't getting ahead, especially living in expensive cities. Um, It was just a real challenge. And so um, I thought, you know, maybe I'll pursue um, looking into maybe like the business side of show business and see if there are some other things that I can do to supplement what I'm doing. I was just looking for um, new ways of looking at my situation. And so um, I went to intern for Ken Davenport, who's um, the Broadway producer. He's a lead mm-hmm. producer on um, currently on Once on this Island. And I think coming up soon is getting the band back together. He's always got something going on. Um, but I went to intern for him for a little while. And while I was there, um, I got in a really cool group that was sponsored by the American Theater Wing. I think it's called Theater Intern Group, like something really creative like that. Um, And it was just a group of interns uh, that were all in in New York City at the same time. And they would put on, I think it was maybe monthly events for us. And I became, there was this one uh, talk that I went to with, I believe it was Howard Sherman, who used to be um, the chairman of the American Theater Wing, or perhaps president, I can't remember his title, mm-hmm. and um, Damian Bazadona, who was the founder uh, of Situation Interactive. And um, they had a conversation about um, how social media was impacting Broadway and theater. And mm-hmm. mind you, this is like, I think it was 20 fall of 2010 or 2011, it was kind of when social media was sort of just becoming kind of a somewhat adult thing. It wasn't just for college students. It wasn't mm-hmm. just for kids. It, it became like a viable marketing tool, marketing yeah. show. Um, and so Damien was talking about this specific campaign um, that, he, that his company did with the show Next to Normal. And I don't know if you remember, but that show initially before it like won Tony's and won a Pulitzer, it was kind of this show that was about mental health and was a rock show and about a family. And it was sort of hard to um, help the show find its audience. And one thing that they did was they did a Twitter campaign where together with the creatives, um, uh, Kit and Yorkie, who did the, the music and the lyrics, they did, they went through the entire story of the show um, in like first person tweets from the characters and huh. it was a huge hit. They ended up having over a million followers, which was huge, especially at the time for wow. any Broadway show, much less one that wasn't really uh, well known. Um, and, and him sort of telling about the success of that campaign and thinking at the time, I mean, uh, Instagram was really new. Hashtags are really new. And just the way that, handheld devices remember (laughs) I know right it was also fresh the way that handheld devices and social media could impact uh, the theater and the way it could help an audience connect not only with a show but with each other and have a a really unique Mm -hmm. sort of audience experience was something that was really interesting to me and so because of that I decided to um, study that 
um, and pursue um, writing a, a master's thesis on that. I went back to grad school, and during that time, it was sort of the perfect storm of going back to school to study social media because all of a sudden, companies were needing to outsource mm. social media. You know, they weren't, they hadn't fully recovered from the recession, so they needed to outsource to freelancers. So it was a great time to get into freelancing, to getting to get into social media management and yeah. creative work in that way. So that's sort of how it all started. That was kind of the link between theater so and what I do now. You, you got a master's degree. I did. What was the actual degree in? It was in uh, communication with a focus okay. on media. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh. So, um, and so, you know, you, you went back to school studying social media, sort of a natural opening there to start freelancing in that way. Um, and what was happening with your performing career at that point? I, I took about, I think it was about two years that I took off um, from my last, you know, like six month gig or something. Mm -hmm. And um, towards the end of grad, it was just a 36 hour program. So it was kind of in and out, just like a two year thing. And um, towards the end, uh, I decided that I would end up staying in the central Virginia area and not going back to the city, um, at least for a little while. And a ton of, I shouldn't say a ton, many professional performing opportunities kind of came my way. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, it's beneficial to not be in an oversaturated market. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, so there was, I think maybe half a dozen professional theaters sort of within an easy drive from my house. Mm. And I worked at all of them. And I think over the course of five years, I probably racked up like 12 professional credits and and when you're not, you know, going and working at an equity house, a lot of times you can um, build sort of a rehearsal schedule that that works well with doing other things, you know. Okay. So there were there were some gigs where I would need to rehearse during the day, but there were some that were just in the evenings and on weekends. And so it was a really easy way to balance the sort of budding sort of freelance content mm -hmm. writing and social media management sort of career along with um, the performing. And the part of the, the goal of even going back to grad school is I wanted to do something where I could earn more money, but I wanted to be able to do it on a laptop. I wanted to take it anywhere. I wanted to be able to always say yes to auditions if I wanted to, to say yes to contracts, whatever they were. Um, and so I sort of just sort of built this career in this life where on you know any given month looked totally different. It might be in a show, I might not be in a show. Um, I might be working with this client or that client or whatever. But I always really liked being able to take my work wherever and build my schedule however. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that process of like uh, building that business, getting clients, all of that kind of stuff? Like how did you, how did you go about doing that? Yeah. Well, I've always been a little bit of like a researcher and a hustler. So I have, I, I there are things that um, just come naturally to me as far as looking for opportunities online or in, um, in you know, uh, loose ties of relationships. Like a lot of times it's not necessarily like your best friend that can get you a gig, but maybe your best friend has an aunt that knows someone who needs someone to do this or that. So just kind of like looking for those opportunities. Um, it was, 
at, say your original question one more time. Yeah. Um, just how did you go about the process of like building a business, getting clients? Um, yeah. So it started with just a couple of, of clients. Um, initially I was working, uh, as a quote, quote unquote intern, which it wasn't really an internship. I, it was really remote work for um, like a telemarketing company that was in, in my town and they needed someone quote unquote, young to help with social media because they <laughs> didn't really want to tackle it. Um, and so they outsourced that to me and then that helped me build up some experience. So I got, I got experience doing a number of things, writing email copy, writing telemarketing scripts, writing, um, social media posts. And then, um, the, the next thing that happened was, you know, a friend of my dad's, um, he had been talking with him about that new opportunity that I had gotten. And then and then my father's friend um, realized that he needed another content writer because he was building a content business and someone with my skill set and my level of experience is what he was looking for. So then that got me some other opportunities and then things just kind of grew and built from there. Um, and also in addition to just sort of like the word of mouth behind the scenes, I also started blogging um, pretty, pretty frequently. I would say it was at, pretty regularly once a week um, because I really wanted to build a platform to where people knew me for social media, mm -hmm. for writing, for personal brand, for um, helping to brand a business, those kinds of things. Um, because previously people had kind of known me as sort of this, you know, free spirit gypsy traveler. You never mm -hmm. know where she's going to be. She's performing. Maybe she's working at Disney World. I heard she was Ariel at Disney World, which is actually <laughs> never true, but I can't tell you how many people <laughs> thought that that was true. Um, Funny. And so I really wanted to sort of like change the way that I was perceived by, um, by my community and by sort of like, even mm -hmm. like my online sort of community. Uh, and so that's where blogging was huge for me. Um, it really helps me um, build thought leadership and helps me build credibility. And that was, that's probably my secret sauce for building a freelance career. Yeah. You know, one of the interviews that I did a couple weeks ago um, was with a, uh, well, a multimedia artist, but one of the things that she does, um, Miriam Castillo, she's a, she does muraling and she was talking about how um, when you, in the times where sort of work is, is low, right. Where, where you're not getting a lot of opportunities, mm -hmm. um, that sometimes you have to create opportunities for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she, you know, her example of that was to, um, you know, go out and like create a mural project for herself, yeah. um, which then got a lot of visibility because it's sort of this thing that's in a very public space. Um, and her name was on it, you know, and so that she like, was able to actually create people came and found her as a result of seeing her mural. Right. And it sounds like blogging is sort of that thing that happened for that, that did that for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. So at this point, are you still doing much performing? Like what does that balance look like for you? Yeah. Well, I think it varies sort of year to year. Um, I, I'm not performing at the moment, but I have been involved in some different things in, in the theater world. I've gotten involved in the Actor Center here in DC. Um, I took a class at the Shakespeare Theater Company. Um, it's, but it, what's, what's interesting, I'm at a kind of a, a inflection point in my career now where um, to do a show is to really 
to really commit a lot of time and to say no to other things. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity to do um, a show in May, but then I had to decide, is this show and is this role um, worth it for me to, to turn down this speaking engagement that I got offered? Mm. And so I ultimately sort of needed to decide uh, which was right for me at this moment, considering sort of like what else, the other things that are happening in my life. And so I, I would say at this point, my goal is um, to be on stage at least every year for six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Um, but I don't really need to do it a lot more than that to scratch the itch. Um, mm. And there are other things that, that I really love to do. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, for me at this point in my life, if, theater was something that happened to be a little bit more along the lines of a day job, <laughs> then I would probably want to do more of it, but it really is a sacrifice away from family, away from personal time yeah. um, and that kind of thing. And so um, for me, it, there, there really is sort of like this sort of like invisible formula of like, this is what makes it worth it for me. Um, hmm. But I'm also writing reviews for DC Metro Theater Arts I'm going to see a lot of shows and um, just coming up here in a couple of weeks, I'm running um, social media for the Helen Hayes awards, which is kind of like oh, the, cool. the DC Tony awards for your non local yeah. listeners. <laughs> um, and so that's been really fun to just be in the mix and meet theater artists from a ton of different theaters around town. And I think another part component of that too is, um, I've just been living in DC for less than a year. And so I've been getting a lay of the land and learning, mm. you know, where do I want to audition? Where do I want to invest my time? Where do I want to volunteer? Where do I want to yeah. get involved? And so now that I've sort of realized that, okay, I'm going to be living in Nova. I'm going to be living in Northern Virginia. Um, I want to audition and invest my time in the theaters that are, you know, within like maybe a 20 minute drive from where I'm living. So, you know, maybe going all the way to Annapolis for a contract isn't really, mm. isn't really what I want to do, even though at first glance, it seems like it because, you know, it, it's a gig, but I'm at the yeah. point where like a gig is not just a gig anymore. And yeah, really more appeal than that. But I think part of that too, is just kind of like getting to your thirties and realizing that like time is finite. Um, your energy is finite. And, uh, the, your, the time that you have, um, with the people that you love is finite. So you have to kind of make mm. some decisions there. Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost like in some ways it's a very wonderful place to be in that, like you're not relying on these gigs to mm -hmm. survive. And at the right. same time, it can be a hard place to be, uh, well, okay. On the wonderful side is like, you're not relying on them and you get to really choose the ones that you're most excited about. Totally. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, it sounds like there's, you can get too busy for it. <laughs> exactly. And like, uh, it can be hard to sort of fit it in with all the other things. That yeah. You and, th but that's also when you have to sort of check yourself and, and be like, okay, am I getting so caught up in these, you know, the paying the bills jobs or these other mm -hmm. things that am, am I making time for what really yes. energizes me? What really yes. like, <laughs> you do that balance. And I think it's a constant sort of tightrope. I mean, I think it's probably not wildly different from like when, if you were like a working parent, like finding the balance between, you know, pursuing your work and pursuing time with your family or whatever. Um, you know, you, you don't want um, to be in a position where you're depending on your art to pay your bills. And then you kind of get angry at it. There's, there's this quote that Elizabeth Gilbert said, and I think you and I have talked before about the book, big magic. Yes. Um, but she said, 
I have it right here. I'll, I'll read it. Um, but to yell at your creativity saying you must earn money for me is sort of like yelling at a cat. It has <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. And all you're doing is scaring it away because you're making really loud noises and your face looks weird when you do that. <laughs> and I think like that, that was me like five, seven That's years so ago. so true. I just wanted to make money from my art. And I thought I, if I'm, if I'm so talented, then I should be getting money for this. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I just want to do the art that lights me up, that, that is energizing to me. Um, and yeah. I'll find other ways to make money. Um, because I think too, I've learned that like theater is never really going to be, um, a place where you can, uh, make a great income anyway. Uh, so if that has a lot to do with why you're pursuing it, then, uh, you're going to burn out fast. Mm. Mm. Yes. That's so, you know, it's interesting. That quote is, is reminding me, I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day about, um, running a, uh, being somebody who's sort of in business for yourself. Right. And like, mm -hmm. uh, there's, um, a really great book about building a coaching business, which I think is, is very relevant to a lot of other types of sort of service oriented businesses. Mm -hmm. But the book is called, um, the prosperous coach. And I'm totally blanking on the name of the authors right now, but the, one of the things that he talks about is he says, um, don't be needy because needy is creepy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that when you show up to a client with this mindset of like, I need this client, then ultimately you're not serving that client. Right. It kind of becomes and, about you. Right. It becomes about you. And it, when you're needy in that way, you're not going to get the client because you're so not true. able to really serve them. So true. And so I love that, that quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. I, I feel like that's sort of the, the creative counterpart to, to needy is creepy. <laughs> yeah. Needy is creepy. That, that's such a good mantra too. I think before you go into an audition room, like mm. people can yes. smell desperation. Like when you go into an audition room, it should be the, you know, for five minutes at least, it should be the best day you have, you've ever had. And you just go in and you enjoy that moment of creating and of performing. And then you move on with your day. But um, if you go in, I mean, people can, can smell desperate from a mile away. So, um, yeah. you can avoid, you can avoid letting that seep out of your, your skin and into your performance. I think that's a really good thing. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, if you could sort of look back over the course of your career at this point, um, I'm really curious because it sounds like there's, there's a lot of sort of pieces that have sort of flowed into each other in a lot of ways. Um, and you also mentioned some of the challenge of it, but I'm curious, like looking back over your career thus far, like what do you feel like have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Mm. Some of the biggest challenges for me, um, a challenge that I always have is saying no to things and, um, making, narrowing things down and making choices. So I, I am a person who has always sort of struggled with FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, so that's a challenge for me. Um, and I think also just truly living in the moment, I tend to be a futuristic thinker. And so with whether, you know, I, I can be being a person who sort of always focused on the future can leave you a little dissatisfied in the present. Hmm. And even when something is going good in my career, it's easy for me to think, well, it could be going better. 
and I, I could be doing this thing and I could, you know, compare myself with so-and-so, you know, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, How do you catch and, yourself in those moments? Yeah. I mean, for, I think doing like a self-care self-check, um, knowing like, okay, I need to back away from social media. I need to, to have, um, to have a moment to really think about where I am and something that really helped me, um, I really kind of gained some self-knowledge. Uh, last year I began studying the Enneagram, which is like a personality diagram and my personality, because I am a person who really gets energized by thinking about the future and by planning for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that, um, that constant focus on the future can leave me dissatisfied in the present. And the antidote for that dissatisfaction is a gratitude practice. And so I really try to every single day be mindful Mm. of what I can be grateful for right now. Um, I keep a gratitude journal. I try to write in that regularly, um, thinking about um, the things that I'm grateful for. Because if you are grateful for your time in the present, that really totally just bolsters your, um, your happiness and um, makes you content. And so, yeah, I think that those, um, that would probably be one of my biggest challenges in my career. Um, and really in my life, cause it all sort of, it all sort of layers and it all kind of melds. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, very cool. Well, thank you so much, Hillary. This has been a really great conversation. Before we wrap up, is there any sort of last thoughts that you have or things that you feel like you really want to share with my audience before we go? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I, w- I would love for them to connect with me um, online. I'm at HillarySutton.com. I'm at Hillary Sutton on Facebook and Twitter. And I'm Hillary.Sutton on Instagram. I've really got to talk to that lady who has <laughs> at Hillary Sutton. She's never posted. Um, I, try, I, try to buy it I can tell this has been eating at you. I know. It's such a thing. Um, so anyway, yeah, I would love to continue this conversation with, with anyone who, um, has, is, is, you know, in, in their career pursuing those transitions and really wants to, to, to let the next domino fall. Um, but to do it in a gracious, um, grateful way. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Hillary. It's really been a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for listening to everyday creative people. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment and tell a friend. Drop me a note on Facebook at Dina Adrian's Coaching and join the community over in the Creative Playground Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. See you again next Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel.